So back in the early 90s, my husband and I had a friend who worked for a very large defense contractor, and he had been there about a year when he came into work one day and found this sort of generic memo on his desk telling him that he needed to go to a certain conference room at 9 a.m. for a meeting. There was no other information on the memo. Of course, he was curious and started asking around, and it turned out that his entire work group had received this same memo, but nobody knew what it was about. So at 9 a.m., they all filed into this huge conference room that was set up with rows of chairs facing a table with a telephone on it. And they had been there a few minutes when a woman walked in and dialed the telephone and then put this man on speaker. And the man said, attention work group 467-2. You have been laid off. Please go back to your desk, collect your personal belongings, and exit the building. And then he hung up. And our friends said they all just sat there for a moment in shock. No one said anything. First of all, they were shocked that they had been laid off. But they were also shocked at the way it had been handled that they had been laid off by speakerphone. <laughs> Well, they all began to get up and file out the door, and the same woman that dialed the phone was standing there. She was from Human Resources, handing out these severance packets to everyone as they left. And our, our friend um, is a very emotional person. You can easily see what he's feeling on his face, and he was really upset. He was supporting a young family at the time and, and very concerned that he had lost his job, and I'm sure that showed. So when he got to the door, the woman handed him the packet, and she, she saw how upset he was and, and said, oh, don't feel so bad. Remember, it's not personal. And he said, well, I, I think it should have been. Friends, I, I would think that most of us would feel that way in those kind of circumstances. There's just something so demoralizing about being treated so impersonally, like a number rather than as a human being. Of course, there are times in life, I guess we all want to be a little bit anonymous, but most of the time, I think not. I think we want to be known and cared for as individuals. We long for the personal touch. That's why so many businesses advertise personal service, right? Because they understand how important that is to us to be known and cared for. We want the personal touch. And friends, people in Jesus' day weren't all that different. They long for the personal touch as well, which makes the situation faced by the woman in our text this morning all the more heartbreaking. The text tells us that she has been hemorrhaging for 12 years. Can you imagine? She spent all her money, gone to all the doctors, and no one can cure her. And as if her condition weren't bad enough, the religious and social Implications of it might have been worse. Remember, in that society, a person like her would have been considered ritually unclean and untouchable. She would have been marginalized, pushed out by society, an untouchable, someone who couldn't even associate with her own family and friends because she might taint them. She wasn't welcome anywhere, even in the temple, which was her church. Can you imagine how desperate she must have been for healing, for inclusion, for, for love, for the personal touch? 
Well, she must have heard of Jesus. He was attracting large crowds at that point in his ministry. He was traveling the countryside, preaching, teaching, healing. The crowds were huge. And perhaps she thought that he was her last hope for a cure, that if she just touched even the edge of his garment, that she could be healed. So she makes her way to him in this great crowd where people are pressing in on all sides, and that's what she does. If you can imagine her just bending down and touching the edge of his cloak. And when that happens, she is instantaneously healed. But Jesus stops in his tracks and says, who touched me? And of course, the disciples are taken about, Master, they, they, they say, look, you know, there are people all around you. They're, they're pressing in on you from all sides. And you're asking who touched me? And then Jesus says this very mysterious thing, fascinating thing to me. I felt power go out from me. Some translations say, I felt power flow from me. Did he have a power surge, friends? Or a drain on the power that he could feel? I don't know. I don't know. But either way, the important point is this. In that great crowd of all those people pressing in on him from all sides, he could identify her singular touch. He knew her personally. My friends, if you have ever wondered if God could possibly care about you personally, individually, in the midst of this vast universe, well, here is your answer. Who touched me, he says, in the midst of all those people, he felt the touch of that one woman. And when she realizes she can't hide and she identifies herself as the one who touched him, again, I think Jesus knew it. It was everybody else who didn't know. Did you notice what he calls her? Daughter. He calls her daughter. You know, this is the only time recorded in Holy Scripture that Jesus uses that term, daughter. She who had been cast out, shut off, is called daughter by the Savior. Talk about the personal touch. It is striking, really, how many times in the Gospels Jesus reaches out and touches people personally. It really is. If you read through the Gospels with an eye for that, you will see again and again he does this. And this is especially striking because he was living in the midst of a culture that identified so many people as untouchable. And yet, there he is again and again and again reaching out to touch the lame, the blind, the leper. Do you remember the story of Jesus and the little children? How the disciples tried to prevent people from giving them to Jesus so he could touch them, pull the children onto his lap, and he said, no, let them come to me. Jesus understood the power of the personal touch, individual love and care. 
knew how transformative that could be, how essential that is to human beings. And friends, I think there's something deep down in us that knows that too. Because when someone is in pain, when someone is hurting, when someone is sad, for example, isn't it our first inclination, our first impulse to reach out and put arms around them, to hug them, to take their hand, to put an arm around their shoulder? Words of care matter. But sometimes physical touch is what is needed to communicate that level of individual care. I remember when I was in seminary, undergoing my training in, in pastoral care, we talked a lot about touch. I remember being warned again and again and again about touching people, that we had to be very careful about that as pastors. It's important to, to recognize and respect people's boundaries, their liability issues. So. They cautioned us and, and said, you know, when in doubt, just don't touch. Maybe give a side hug, you know. But then I remember the very first time I was at the hospital with a woman whose husband was dying. And she turned to me with tears running down her face and put out her arms to hug me. And friends, I wasn't going to give her a side hug. I just wrapped my arms around her and hugged her. I couldn't imagine doing anything else in that moment. And likewise, I remember when I went to visit a member of my congregation, an elderly man who was dying of a very rare form of cancer. He had suffered terribly. He was in this hospital bed and he had IVs and tubes everywhere. He had outlived most of his family he had a few distant relatives that were checking in on him. I think he felt lonely in death. And all he wanted, more than anything in the whole world, was for someone to take his hand and pray with him. He was kind of a jokester. He said, you know, nobody will touch me. I, I think they're afraid I'm going to break, but it's a little late for that. So I took his hand. And we prayed. But mostly, I just sat with him and I held his hand until he fell asleep. And friends, I, I believe with my whole heart that many of you, if you were in the same position, would have done the same thing because you understand the power of the personal touch. Many of you know that uh, my husband, Tripp, is from Northern California. So throughout our marriage together, we've returned to California again and again to visit family and to enjoy the beauty there. We usually go around the time of our anniversary, but not this year. Actually, that's today. We're married 34 years today. Uh oh, thanks. Thanks. Glad to be able to share it with you. It's a good thing. But one of the things I love most about that part of the world are the coastal redwoods. They're so beautiful. They're the tallest trees on earth, and they're, they, they're just 
one of the most amazing of all of God's creations, I think. They can grow to be 300 feet tall. They can also live three to 500 years, and some of them are actually 2,000 years old. Now, you would think, given their, their height, right, that their root system would dig deep, deep, deep into the soil to hold them up. But I found out that's not true. That actually these redwoods have very shallow root systems that spread out a long way, but they're just under the surface of the soil. And God made them that way so that the moisture from the forest floor would gather there and they could take it in easily. Well, you might also think that, that since the roots are so shallow that if a good wind came up, given how top-heavy they are, they'd fall over. But no. You see, those redwoods, they grow in clusters. And their roots are intertwined with one another. And so they hold each other up. And when the storms come, you see, they support each other. They make it through together. I think in many ways our church is like that because we are church family, are we not? In our lives, they bump up against each other. Our roots are intertwined. And so when the storms come, we make it through together. That's a powerful thing, you know? That kind of witness of personal care and commitment in the midst of a world that to so many people feels so impersonal, oh, and anonymous, and sometimes terribly, terribly lonely. Personal touch, you see. We understand the power of that because we learned it from Jesus and we do our best to live it out. I might be so bold as to say, friends, that there's really nothing more important than that sometimes. No study, no class, no fellowship event in the church. There's great power in living out the personal touch together. Giving witness to the personal love of God in the way that we love and care for each other. I believe all churches are called to live that way, you know, but I'm especially convicted that this church has a call on its collective life to be a community of belonging and connection and personal love and care in this culture that demoralizes people by treating them as if they are a number rather than a beloved child of God, person of great value, a human being. Thank you for being who you are, church. Thank you for being people that understand the power of that personal touch and live it out. I know we're a great big church. We're a huge church. And I believe we're going to continue to grow and get even bigger. But let's not ever forget this, this important piece of our identity, that we are rooted together, that we worship a personal God who calls us to care for one another personally. Thank you for being those who understand and live out the power of the personal touch. Let's pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks for you love each of us as if we were the only 
child of yours in the whole world. Your love for us, your touch is personal in our lives. And Lord, we ask that you continue to empower us to love one another in that same personal and caring way, all for your glory. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Friends, our invitation to Christian discipleship this week is to take a moment to relate to the people in your life personally. Has it been a while since you picked up the phone and called somebody in your life and just told them that you loved them? Is there someone you need to text today to to tell them that they really matter to you? Is there someone you spotted new this morning in worship and you can just take a moment and put out your hand to welcome them and let them know they have a place here as we exit today? The invitation is to continue to be personal with each other and in that way to reflect the love of Christ. The invitation is also made, if you would like to unite with our congregation, I invite you to come forward as we sing our final hymn together. It's in the faith we sing and also on the screens. It is servant song.